Welcome to the Lobby Podcast here on Center Maryland. We are gifted with uh, one of the greats uh, that we're ever going to have on this podcast or any other, Dr. Mohan Suntha. He is the CEO and president of the University of Maryland Medical System, which is like Preakness or lacrosse, a jewel of the Maryland experience and really an international leader in compassionate care and innovation. Dr. Suntho, welcome to the Lobby Podcast. I so appreciate the invitation and excited to be with you today. I want to talk to you about the legislative session coming to an end. It seemed like workforce was a key issue for hospitals. I'd like to get your take on sort of what just happened for the last 90 days, uh, especially its impact on hospitals generally and most specifically you know, the engine that is the University of Maryland medical system. Sure. So uh, I think you're, you're absolutely correct. Uh, this session, uh, healthcare has again been at the forefront of a lot of uh, conversation and discussion. Um, but I think that's not all that unusual when you think of the differential impact the healthcare industry has within the state of Maryland. And obviously through the lens of the medical system, we are the state's largest private employer, and we are 25% of all hospital-based healthcare in the state of Maryland. And so this year, this session, for example, we have been quite purposeful in engaging the legislature on the importance of rural healthcare. In the state of Maryland, we are blessed to have incredibly diverse communities across the state of Maryland. And in our health system, the example of some of that diversity is the way we need to solve for rural health care in the state of Maryland. And so engaging our legislators with purposeful conversation and, uh, and the importance of solving health care access and health care delivery from a quality of care standpoint in rural Maryland is a, a very important conversation. And we've been very fortunate that our legislators have been actively engaging in those conversations. You think the COVID uh, pandemic sort of unearthed or sh shined a light on the needs of folks in the rural health ecosystem? Absolutely. Look, I think we, we have for a long time in healthcare understood healthcare disparities. I think what uh, COVID did in all types of communities across the state of Maryland is expose some of the underlying challenges with healthcare access and healthcare delivery uh, in all different types of our communities. And so I think rural healthcare was not immune from that. And they absolutely, um, they, they had disproportionate challenge associated with getting access from everything uh, from testing to care delivery, to vaccines, to therapies. And that's a consequence of the, the geographic challenge associated with rural healthcare compared to you know, traditional suburban-based healthcare or urban-based healthcare, which has different challenges, but important. 
uh, one of the reasons you are where you are was because you mastered both the urban and suburban landscapes uh, and now now thrust into the, the, the rural ecosystem. Talk to me about the kind of partnerships you need in the community for the rural ecosystem to really uh, get boosted. Yeah, so I think uh, the partnerships start with our community. So for us on the, the mid-shore, five counties, think of 2,000 square miles and 175,000 people. If you picked that geography up and just planted it between Baltimore and DC, you'd have 3 million people in that geography. And wow. so when you think about the care delivery evolution that has to happen, you have to think about across all the five counties, what are the right access points and the right resources? So evolving healthcare. So we have a freestanding emergency room in Queenstown. We have a center for aging and wellness in Chestertown. We have the evolution of care delivery of freestanding medical facility in Cambridge. And we hope to evolve an acute healthcare access point in Talbot County as a consequence of the, of the central location that you need to have to create scale to, to ensure quality of care delivery. Wow. So all of these pieces have to fit together and it starts with partnerships with our community and our community has been amazing and in accepting and acknowledging that we have to evolve healthcare access and healthcare delivery from the traditions. Um, and to be clear, Damien, this challenge is a national challenge, right? When you know, no state in, in this country has yet figured out rural healthcare. The number of rural hospitals that have closed in the last five years is dramatic. Hundreds of hospitals in this country have closed. One of the strengths we have in Maryland is we have uh, elected officials who understand the responsibility of evolving care delivery and leaning in. And we have a unique reimbursement model that allows us to test new care delivery options differently than the rest of the nation. You know, um, speaking of the legislature, the, the Maryland Hospital Association um, is trying to tackle some of the workforce challenges that that all the hospitals are uh, experiencing. They started something called Join MD Health. So you can sort of hashtag Join MD Health. You can at Join MD Health. You can check it out anywhere online. And really what it is is a portal into the state hospitals and health systems um, to show, you know, what exciting jobs and careers are there. It's a real porthole for the workforce to become familiar with the hospital environment. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, maybe anecdotally or your own experiences with the workforce challenge at Omnis? Sure. sure, look, I think as you pointed out earlier, the pandemic has created a fundamental disruption in the healthcare labor workforce realities in the state of Maryland and in the nation. In the state of Maryland though, Healthcare is a disproportionate economic driver across the state of Maryland. Marylanders are blessed with healthcare choice. And that means the healthcare uh, workforce marketplace is a, a marketplace where again, 
employees also have choice. Part of what I think the hashtag join Maryland health initiative does is at the top of the funnel, when you think about people making decisions about career paths, it highlights the value proposition of choosing a career in healthcare. And what we would say as all the hospitals in the state is, look, this is a team sport. We want <laughs> to communicate that there is great value to choosing healthcare. Obviously, we believe that the nobility of the mission of healthcare should be a piece of the attraction that brings people into healthcare differently than other very important industries. We get the benefit of having a noble mission, right? And so I think that's step one. But step two is also educating uh, students and uh, people who are deciding where they want to take their careers, the great variety of career choice. So yes, physicians and nurses, that's obvious. Right. But when you think of healthcare IT, healthcare finance, think about uh, OR techs, think there are so many opportunities, some of which are clinical facing, patient facing, some of which are um, uh, you know, uh, operational jobs. But if you have experience in healthcare, you are as marketable as you could ever want. Amen. And you get to meet the most talented, compassionate people in your state. You get a network for life. Uh, you know, my mama started out as a, as a nurse and ended up as, a, as an executive, executive in pharmaceutical advertising sales. So I got to see it as a little boy. My mom just kind of rides up through the healthcare experience and can't thank the institutions you work with enough for granting those opportunities to women and people of color. But really... It's just something if you're a Marylander or you're looking at a career from anywhere in the world, you should be looking at this join MD health. Um, thank you for giving me your, your personal take on that. I want to get into something you've been really diligent about and a forerunner on, which is social impact investments. You know, I, 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 I took a, I took a, like a, uh, several months ago, I think I took a double take because I was seeing a University of Maryland medical system press release, but it looked like it was, uh, you know, in a deep sort of financial investment in uh, businesses owned by people of color, minority businesses. It seems to me that you're stepping way outside of what a lot of people would view as the normal role of their community hospital I'd just like you to share sort of where, what it is that you're doing and where that came from. Sure. So, uh, you know, I think we as healthcare organizations have what we call the responsibility and benefit of being anchor institutions in all of our communities. And as a consequence of being anchor institutions, that comes with that, what I call differential responsibility. So when you think about anchors in any community, you think about institutions that have differential impact into the vibrancy of a community. Can, I, so can, can, I, steal, can I steal you for a second? Sure. When you say differential impact, you're saying that, that pre people are bringing value to the community 
in uh, disparate ways. And it's, it's tough to figure that or it's necessary to figure out that quilt. Talk to me a little bit about what you mean by so that. So what I mean by that is when you think about a hospital, let's just talk about healthcare as a hospital. Historically, many, many communities thought about hospitals and their roles as if I'm sick, I got to go to a hospital and I want access, you know, and hospitals would say, yes, our responsibility is to be there when people are sick and to care for them, get them better and return them to their communities. What I am saying is, yes, of course, that's our foundational mission. But we also are disproportionate economic drivers of a community. So when we think about our academic flagship of the medical center, right? We're 12,000 employees. Right. We're located in West Baltimore. We drive economic impact, That's right? We in, when we have our workforce, they are the people who are educating their children in the schools of, in Baltimore. They are the people who are driving investment in businesses, et cetera, right? They are, and that's when I think about the responsibility we have as anchor institutions, investing in the vibrancy of our community is part of how we demonstrate our responsibility as anchor institutions. So social impact investing is, it takes two forms in our organization. One is grant making. So when we can offer grants to address food insecurity, partnering with Maryland Food Bank, as an example, and other food banks that help address the need of food insecurity in our community, we are keeping our community healthier, right? So we think about healthcare, it's what we exist to do. But also investing in businesses that are in our communities also leads to the economic vibrancy of our community. So again, a system that, is, uh, that has the scale of the medical system, a $5 billion a year organization, we have assets that we invest all over the state, the nation, the world. We need to demonstrate that we also invest some of those assets in our communities with expectation that those investments are going to do more than just have a, a financial return, but also have an impact on growing businesses within our communities because it's a rising tide concept, right? That's what we are trying to do. So that's, you did the 3 million in community grants about six months ago, you announced, and then 14 million in what you all say are 11 equity and fixed income investments. And that sounded all kind of wonky to me, but then I understood this less, this next line. I want to read this because it gets straight to our point about workforce, which is, the investees, the people that you all are giving money to have a strong presence in the state, employ a diverse workforce, over half are Baltimore-based or Baltimore-focused, and 75% are either Black-led or women-led and represent a mission-driven for community development financial institutions. They call it CFDIs. But that's, that's, that's significant stuff, and it's just the beginning. Yeah, so th- so – it is just the beginning, Damien. But I think we as leaders have this responsibility to demonstrate that we are all in in our communities, right? This notion of the 
right? We all rise and fall together. And well, now you now you're gonna you just you open that you open yourself up here now when you make that comment because nobody's going more all in than you, my man. You are uh, Dr. Santa. You're now the chairman of the Greater Baltimore Committee, right? That is uh, another one of these jewels that is looked upon by leaders in the state as a real resource to pull people together, find solutions to problems throughout the Greater Baltimore region, get opportunistic. You guys just kind of uh, uh, merged with the mission of the Economic Alliance, which I thought was a long time coming and can't thank you enough for making that happen um, with Calvin. But talk to me about, I mean, I just want to, I want to get enthusiastic a little bit about the GVC because I kind of came up with it. You know, I remember Mike Cryer and uh, trying to sell the legislature on the Hippodrome. And then here we are watching Chris Rock do his uh, Netflix special from that 20 years later, you know, so you're in that. So anyway, before I geek out, I'd love just I'd, lo- I'd love to know why you decided to step up into that role. It's a huge role, and I'd love I'd just love to hear your take on it. Sure, uh, because I, I uh, as a leader of the organization I'm blessed to lead, believe that we have this phenomenal point in our collective evolution where leaders stepping forward and driving some of the change that we've all been looking for, um, now is the time. I also believe when you think of the differential assets of Baltimore and the region of Baltimore, the differential assets. So think about our communities, the diversity of our communities, um, so our people assets. Think about the assets of the businesses, the business communities that shape this region. Obviously I have a lens through healthcare, but that's a differential asset. Financial services, differential assets, incredible higher education assets, incredible uh, technology and a startup environment that the vibrancy of which comes from some of those other differential assets. Think about our geography, literally, Right, if you're standing and facing the window, I get the fortune of looking out every day. Look at the physical assets of this city and this region and go, who doesn't want this? Who wouldn't give their eyes to to trade with us? That's right. How many cities in this country would say, give me all those assets? Now, I'm not naive. We also have challenge, but the business community, has to be seen as an important voice in helping drive a future-ready Baltimore and to do so through a lens of understanding that we need to do it through a lens of equity as well, and we can. We can walk and chew gum as a community. And I think now is the time. This notion, again, I would say there is no us them. I don't care if your lens is the state or the city. I don't care if it's one business versus another. I you don't, don't have care. any time for that. You don't have right. any time. It, it, those days are like, it's only us. It is only us. And so the way the business community steps forward and leans in and, and says, yep, we have to drive how we think about economic development, how we think about transportation, how we think about public safety, our voice has to be uh, heard. And you heard as a unifying voice, one that brings folks together. And, um, and so when you say, well, why did I say, okay? Yes, you're right. You know, when Calvin Butler 
uh, ha- you know, brings you in, you know, you, you know, uh, he's, got, <laughs> he's got incredible um, uh, power of persuasion for he sure. Uh, but I also think um, this is about advocacy for the collective. And I think the collective has incredible talents and, um, and assets that we have the responsibility to elevate. Well, my favorite word in that whole nomenclature there about the GBC, you know, it ain't the committee. There's no statues to committees. Uh, and Baltimore is obvious and beautiful, but the greater gets overlooked sometimes. The greater Baltimore committee. And Baltimore is greater than people think. It will be greater. But there's also the regionality of the experience in Maryland, uh, its biggest city, having Baltimore County, you know, this massive jurisdiction um, just north of it has amazing Howard County, the the little engine that could sort of a model county for the nation. Anne Arundel County is 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 almost catching up to Baltimore in, si- in size, you know, and then Harford County uh, with all of the defense investments and 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 recent. Uh, development that has occurred up there just so much to talk about how are you going to figure out uh how to tackle all that yeah so look i guess i get the benefit damien uh in in all of those counties in in my day job at the medical system we engage all over the place right so you're already serving those people right? so so the truth is we i get the benefit of having already seen the value proposition of aligning the approaches in all those different jurisdictions, right? To your point, there's, a, there's incredible resources and talents throughout the region. And that's why I say there's no more us then, there's only us. And the way we're going to compete on a national scale with other parts of the country that have figured this out is to say that we're gonna do this together. We're gonna be viewed as a region and our voice is going to be heard as a business community. And the way we're gonna do that, I think is through that alignment and recognizing for all of the, the uh, you know, when we talked about social impact investing and the impact we have in our communities, again, I think the business community has to be seen as understanding our responsibilities and alignments with our communities because the vibrancy doesn't stop within the walls of any single organization. The vibrancy has to be felt within a community. And again, we got to deal with our challenges and we have to understand and describe where we're going. And um, I think that we have really talented leaders within the business community who are uh, excited about this merger to say, again, move away from us then, move or get away, like, Bring it all together and speak with a unified voice. Just as a total enthusiast of, of Maryland, I would, I would tell you that one of my greatest frustrations coming up in politics in Maryland was the disconnect between the GBC and the Economic Alliance of Greater Baltimore. And pulling that together is amazing. And I should have, you know, you know, but I should have known that was coming because you taught me the most powerful lesson in Baltimore politics that I have learned this far, 
which I grew up in a culture where, where Hopkins, uh, Johns Hopkins and, and ums were like, uh, two almost rivals, uh, you know, t- playing different roles in the community, but overlapping in some, and, the, and the, it was sort of, um, there was a tension or a conflict that seemed to be there. And it seemed like such an exorbitant waste of everybody's energy. Um, and it was very frustrating to me as a big fan of shock trauma. Cause I, I, I would they, they helped me out a lot when I was in an accident and then Hopkins saved my daughter. So, you know, I, my loyalties are split and to see what you and Kevin Sowers have done, which is put all that history behind and just go back to back uh and looking out for each other and looking out for the people of baltimore looking out for patients all across uh the state the country it's been an amazing dynamic shift in baltimore and it couldn't happen at a better time i just want to thank you for that well thank you damien but i agree you know what that takes to change that culture man you did that you did that by just being yourself so what I'd say, Damien, is look, we are so fortunate. I, I, I am so thankful for the leadership of uh, at, at Hopkins from both the medical system, the school of medicine, the university. And I'm also thankful for the medical system board and the University of Maryland School of Medicine to see the value proposition of that alignment. And I, I do agree with you. I think through the pandemic, it was a an aha moment for everybody that says, thank God that these differential assets came together and partnered because the beneficiaries were our collective community. And there's lots more of that opportunity when you think about workforce development, when you think about higher ed, when you think about impact in our collective communities, it is again, when you think about GBC and that vision of describing what's different about this region. Having the two academic health systems and healthcare overall being a disproportionate driver of our region's economy gives our community healthcare choice. And that, again, I am a big believer that in life you rise to the level of competition. Competition is good and healthy and you can still align with your competition for the greater good. Well, I'd like to challenge you to some golf, but I know that's not going to happen with your schedule these days. (laughs) (laughs) Talk to me one last time. (laughs) Last question for you. Uh, You mentioned uh, Calvin just being a a great partner, the the CEO of Exelon, uh, right straight out of Baltimore another dynamic leader and friend that you have close to you is our governor, Governor Wes Moore. Uh, just talk to me a little bit about your your relationship and, and the opportunities that you see with his leadership coming right out of your neighborhoods there in Baltimore. Yeah, so uh, I'm, I am a, uh, a huge fan of Governor Moore. I've had the privilege of knowing him for many years. Um, and again, I think that Um, His leadership is going to be dramatically impactful. We stand at an amazing point in our collective histories. And I think as a leader, he has an awareness of, of, of what that means and the responsibilities that come with leading for all, leaving no one behind across um, 
economic spectrums, political spectrums, et cetera. And so I think that we do have this opportunity. I am uh, a, a huge supporter of um, uh, Governor Moore and I understand the importance of those roles. And so I think, um, uh, so yes, I, I think uh, I'm fortunate to call him a friend and colleague. Well, hopefully we can keep, I think eight years as your understudy uh, in healthcare, I think he's, I think that, that could be, uh, that could be quite a, a benefit for Governor Moore. I know, uh, I know uh, healthcare is such a critical part of the state and he needs to rely on the best of the best to help him manage that. So it's, uh, it's fun to watch all that happen from where I sit. Dr. Suntha, thank you so much for joining us on the Lobby Pod. I so appreciate it, Damien. It's always great to catch up with you. Um, but thank you for what you do, because I think making sure that our, again, how we communicate what we're trying to accomplish and where we're going and engaging in, in constructive dialogue is part of how we move our uh, state, our city, our communities, our organizations forward. So I really appreciate the time you're giving me. Thank you so much. 